0: Welcome to the Spectrum of Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner and today I'm speaking with Anne Margolis. Anne is a licensed certified nurse midwife, licensed FEM teacher, certified clarity breathwork practitioner, yoga teacher, and practitioner. She's a third generation guide to mama's birthing babies in her family. Anne has helped thousands of families in her 20-plus year midwifery practice and has personally ushered the births of over a 1,000 healthy babies into the world. She has also guided countless human beings to heal from emotional pain, inner stress and trauma, tap into their inner strength and power, live fully and vibrantly, and reclaim their radiance, joyfulness, calm, and overall sense of well-being at the time that i'm recording this intro i'm 34 weeks pregnant i'm having my first child i'm having a baby girl who's due july 7th of 2018 and i really wanted to share um, Anne's, you know wisdom experience and knowledge about her perspective around birth and the state of birth in america i signed up for Anne's love your birth class and i've been taking it online and i think she just has a lot of great tools and pearls of wisdom and i just hope this information, no matter where you are in your journey, um, really empowers you to make the choices that are going to be best and most healthy for you and your family. Welcome, Anne. I'm so excited to interview you today.
1: I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, Anne, I feel like even though this is our first conversation, I feel that I know you as um, an expecting mom. I'm um, due with my first child um, in July of 2018, and I um, have signed up for your birth class. And I just really admire and love um, your approach and the information that you're sharing, um, you know, with the world right now. So I'm just so excited to, you know, learn more from you and really share this really valuable information with our audience today. Well, Anne, um, you are a nurse midwife, and so um we always love to hear from our speakers, just really, you know, what led you to this journey and how did you become so passionate about birth?
1: Oh, uh well, um, it started well my my I have my grandfather was um an old school obstetrician and my two uncles were old school obstetricians and um and I always my, my mother used to say, oh, you know, you, you should be a doctor. You should be a doctor. And of course, when I was a teenager, everything my mom said, I said, no, the opposite. <laughs> so it took me a while to get back. You know, I never thought I'd be in the medical field. And then um, I found myself in college not liking anything other than um, nursing school. I was loving nursing school and my uh, obstetric rotation. And I think when when I did my obstetric rotation is when I came to my own decision, is this is what I wanna be doing. I wanna help mothers and babies. Um, but I did not, you know, I was, I was still young. I was in college and I, uh, when I graduated, my first job, uh, was, um, you know, I was all excited, was in a pretty routine, you know, standard, typical hospital. And I worked there for about four years. It was as an obstetric nurse was, um, or during working as an obstetric nurse is where I developed fear of birth. Um, the, um, the, the feeling on the unit, Uh, was that birth was a potential lawsuit it was a disaster or a potential crisis waiting to happen and I as a nurse was having to rescue a lot of the problems caused by routine interventions that were done to every woman who walked in to have a baby and and then you know the, the interventions were causing problems and then we needed more interventions. And, and that's what we call this cascade this cascade of interventions. And, and I wasn't always seeing good outcomes, you know? So then when I was pregnant with my first baby, um, I was afraid. I was really afraid of what, what would happen. I was scared of, you know, c- uh, cesarean birth. I was, uh, as a nurse, having to be in the operating room attending, helping um, with c- cesareans more than I was, it, it felt like, in, I, than I was helping with vaginal deliveries. But, um, because I was a nurse on the unit, I was given what, you know, royal treatment. Oh, you know, like one of our nurses is having a baby, but I was given the standard treatment. And what, what, the reason I want to go into this a little bit is it's still happening today, despite all the evidence to the contrary, you know, that this kind of care is harmful. So, so it's like when I walked in on the unit to have my baby, this was my first baby was in uh, 1986, and the fact that it's still going on like the 1987, and it's still like this, but um, so so I the first thing that happened was was like what we all did. I, I was take my clothes were taken off, and I put on a hospital gown. And it seems in it seemed innocuous, right? Everybody puts on a hospital gown, but that sort of begins the disempowerment. You know, it's like this assembly line patient or feeling like I'm sick. Or I know nothing. You guys know everything. I have no responsibility. You guys know what you're doing. You're going to take care of it. And then I was told not to eat or drink, which was also standard care, um, and, uh, attached to an IV. Now, birth is, is, is to, for the body. Childbirth is like, uh, like a major athletic event, you know, like, like running the 26-mile marathon, for example. No one would advise you doing that without um, fuel and hydration. And, you know, it, 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 that also is against all the evidence that that's harmful, that a woman in labor needs to eat and drink, you, you know, but I didn't know that then, right? So then I was told I, I had to lie in bed and be attached to a continuous electronic fetal monitor. To, um, now, uh, labor, laboring wom- women need to be upright, and they need to move, and that helps ease labor, and, and it helps the baby navigate its way down, and I didn't know that back then, but you know, the pelvis is three bones connected by ligaments, so when, when a woman is lying down, the, pel- the, the pelvis has a smaller capacity than when up and in more asymmetrical positioning. And the continuous electronic fetal monitor has not improved baby outcome, you know, from uh, uh, oxygen deprivation as as opposed to intermittent monitoring. But I wasn't a midwife then, right? I just I was just doing what was what was done to everyone walking in to have a baby. And what the electronic fetal monitoring does is it it's only increased cesarean three to five times that of not doing, you know, not having the continuous monitor. So of course I wasn't going to labor well in these conditions, right? And and I was put on the time clock. You know, I had to be dilated a centimeter an hour, and and the doctor, my colleague, he he kept coming in every hour and sticking his hands up me without even really talking or tell you know asking about you know to do about doing that. And he would walk out and and tell the nurse outside, she's still four, she's still four. Now um, at one point I heard him say, you know, just give her pit. Now I know what that is that I'm a nurse so that that means the medication pitocin which makes the contractions uh, harder stronger more intense every you know it speeds up everything and and when the nurse came in my my colleague you know to, to put the medication in my IV I said I don't want I don't want pitocin oh she said but she, her her response was well meaning she says honey you don't want a, a cesarean do you and so, no, I didn't want a cesarean, right? So I was kind of like feared into it. I was vulnerable, and 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 then then um, you know my coping went out the window, and then that started the whole spiral of or, or that you know the, the worsening spiral of events was that my ba- um, the next thing I know they were giving me an epidural, which is a big needle in my the back around the spinal cord uh, fluid in the spinal cord fluid, and and uh, her my my daughter's heartbeat dropped so dangerously low and for a long time that there was panic in the room and you know they called a the stat cesarean now emergency cesarean now i knew they had minutes to get my baby out so here i was you know my biggest fear was happening i was whisked off to the operating room and um uh, prepped for surgery and uh, lying on the operating table waiting for the assistant surgeon who never came I watched alone. Like I was lying on that on that table, watching the clock. Like ten minutes, twenty minutes, a half an hour, forty-five minutes, an hour. And I had moved from, you know, panic to then um, resigned to my baby had brain damage from no oxygen deprivation to now she's dead. I mean, like that's that was going on in my head in that hour, and um, so somehow the medications took over my body, and I started pushing. And I called for help, and, and the doctor came running in. He was like, get me a vacuum. He was, he was, he was yelling at the staff to, to get him this, this suction, to suction my baby out. And he cut a big episiotomy. And she came out, and she's, like, looking around pink and <laughs> just – you know, like not didn't seem to be phased by any of this. You know, uh, fetal monitors are are notorious for false diagnosis of fetal distress, but you know, I I didn't I wasn't fine, right? I had what I now know to be birth trauma, which is PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder, which is a normal response to a horrific situation, right? So so it it was that plus my working in the hospital in that environment that I was, I was, I was speaking my frustrations to somebody, to a friend of mine. And she says, why don't you be a midwife? And, and I really literally, there was no internet then. And I literally said, what is a midwife? (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, like I, and she's like, Oh, you know, so I went to the, she's telling me all about, I went to the library and, and did all this research. And it was like, I came home. I applied and I, and I went to the uh, midwifery school um, and that began really the journey of coming home to myself and I, it was interesting because when I was in midwifery the school and I was learning this whole new model of care, it was, it was like all the crises and the rare emergencies be, were more the exception. And it was sort of, you know, returning the, the, the humanity and the celebration and the joy um, and to the process. And, and that it, it was learning about normal and that birth is normal. Women can birth like they breathe, like their heart knows how to beat. And, and, and we need to, yes, you know, midwives, our expertise is in the normal and how to keep birth normal and how to intervene simply. Um, yes, we use intervention and we screen for problems, but, um, and we, we, know how to handle emergencies and we pretty much do everything but surgery. Um, but that, that whole philosophy, I, I just was all new to me, but it felt so right. But then I, I remember I was pregnant then in midwifery school. And I said to my midwife, for me to authentically be a midwife and promote this type of care, it has to work for me. Because I had two babies in that other very traumatized, very highly medical, um, interventive philosophy and setting. And I need to see that this will work for me. And she, you know, I, I'm, I was still pretty traumatized by my first birth and my second birth. It was similar. So she said, Oh my gosh, don't worry. You know, it's going to be fine. And, and she, it was so beautiful and so, um, so life changing to, to give birth in, in, in that way, like, uh, like eating and drinking, moving and dancing and, and, and being surrounded by loving support and trust that my body knows what to do. And, you know, she's there, the midwife is there with me, but she's a lifeguard. She's not interfering. She's not disturbing and she's allowing it to happen and giving me the faith that I had the capability of doing it. And when I did it, I was brought to tears with gratitude. Like the the healing that took place from my first two experiences, and also like that if I can do this, any single anybody can do this, and I can really stand by this and 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 help other w- women to do it. And and so after my uh, I started my practice, my own practice with a colleague of mine about twenty years ago, and it's been pretty you know, very, we became very busy and booked like after the first uh, year. And it's been like over a thousand babies since in my midwifery career, uh, helping a lot of mommies and babies.
0: Wow. Wow! oh my goodness. And it's just how um, empowering from having this, you know, traumatic experience to really transforming it and really offering this space for, um, the women you work with to have, um, you know, this whole other experience. And you mentioned something Anne, in, um, sharing your story, you said your, your daughter was born in 1987 and not much has changed, um, in birth, you know, since then. And so, um, what are we, you know, in the United States, what, what do we know about birth? What are we up against right now?
1: Well, I just want to begin with, so I was at this big midwifery conference and there's beloved obstetrician, Dr. Michelle O'Don, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's French and he practices in England. And he was speaking to a packed room of of midwives about evidence-based care. And um, he, he stood in front of all of us and he said in his French accent, which I'm not going to do, but I love it. What is the best intervention that uh, an atten- well, he was speaking to midwives, so he was saying midwife, but the would, same would apply for an obstetrician. What is the best intervention to, to be done to a woman when she uh, is experiencing healthy childbirth? And everyone was raising their hand and, you know, nobody was really right. And and he said the best intervention, his answer, it may sound funny, but it was brilliant. It, his answer was the best intervention that a midwife should do when uh, during healthy childbirth is to knit. K-N-I-T. Right. And I'll tell you why it's brilliant, because first of all, evidence based care does point to um, the 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 huge benefit of when all is well, uh, the best intervention is no intervention in a in a in a healthy childbirth. And but but he goes, you know, it's deeper than that. You know, it also like, you know, when, when when obstetricians and doctors in training, you know, uh, they, they they take the Hippocrates oath and part of that oath is first do no harm. So when something is going well, something is not broken, we don't fix it. But the knitting is brilliant because you see uh, women um if if a, a seasoned midwife she's seen so thousands of births right and she is there with that woman and she is so calm that she can knit you know because she knows when everything's well and she knows if there's a problem but if she can sit there and knit you know, with her eyes wide open and her and her her ears are open, her her heart's wide open, her mouth can talk. She can reassure the woman when she doubts her strength, and she can give verbal support. That calm is contagious, and that laboring woman will feel that calm, and she will labor much better than if she feels panic or fear or tension in, in the room. And it's also an interesting insight in in that an attendant. Midwife, nurse, uh, obstetrician, they tend to need to be doing something. And the knitting kind of keeps the hands <laughs> busy, right? Yeah, but, but yeah, so what, but the, the, what the issue that, that, he, that he was bringing up and that many um, experts in the field have, have brought up is that this is not what's going on in our country. In fact, our country, like standard care across our country in most hospitals, does not reflect the current scientific evidence. There's loads of evidence um about this and this is not happening in fact our our country has like horrid statistics like we, we rank among the we rank the lowest among as compared to developed other developed nations in the world um when it comes to maternal and newborn morbidity and mortality um and that is despite having among the highest cesarean section rates you know over 30% some hospitals it's 40 to 50% um, my rate's five percent, which is within the World Health Organization's recommendation. you know it, it used to be five to ten percent they upped it to fifteen percent, I guess, to accommodate this, these crazy rates, but they they're not going uh, above that. And our rates are two times that of europe we we have you know escalating rates, very high rates of of medical and surgical interventions. and you know we're among the most technologically advanced when it comes to medical care. And uh, health care, maternity care is escalating uh, in terms of cost. And, for, you know, with 4.3 million women giving birth a year in the United States and over a third describe their experience as traumatic, affecting mothers and babies. I mean, this, so this is, you know, serious business. So, so what's going on in the other developed countries? that 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 they're not losing mothers and babies at the rate we are they're not having the 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 risk of of sickness and complications for mom and baby that that we are despite having very similar demographics i mean Japan or Holland or um, Norway Sweden so Dr Marsden Wagner um is another beloved obstetrician uh, he he's um he was the former he's a perinatologist which is a high risk obstetrician Former director of the maternal child health department in the World Health Organization, he's looking at what do these countries have in common. He's written many peer reviewed uh, articles and um, very into the research. He's written many books, spoken on many documentaries about this. He's very very pro midwifery because he's, he's you know they ask him why you love midwives. He says I'm looking at the evidence. So he's looking at the common denominator in these countries. Why are they getting such better out, you know, much better outcomes than we are? And 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 he's and he points out that at, at when a when a woman is uh, healthy and she is having a healthy pregnancy, which is the vast majority of pregnancies are healthy. At no time in these countries does she see an obstetrician. They see midwives because midwives, their expertise is normal, like I said before the obstetrician we need thank thank goodness right there is a surgeon and is is the expertise of, and training of the obstetrician is serious complications and disease treat you know diagnosing and treating medical and surgical complications surgically and medically or whatever's needed now what's happening is they're working together as a team and together they are best serving the whole community of people having babies, right? When you have what's going on in the United States, this sort of high risk type of care applied to all healthy women and babies, then you're getting complications at the rates that we are. Then it's not safe anymore, you know, in terms of the outcome. And the UK, so in the UK, their major health regulator is – I don't know if you've heard of them, the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence. Um, they're, they're it's like, they're like the CDC or the NIH that we have here. And they did not mince words when they looked at the evidence. They're looking at you know an anal- a meta-analysis of all the research and urging midwife-led maternity units in the hospital and out-of-hospital birth center and home birth for healthy, low-risk women that they're urging that it was covered in major news, you know, in the United States. Is that happening? No. Right. So, so my, what I've been so passionate about is, you know, like I, I was, um, is, is not, I don't, you know, know that what I could do, for example, on a political level or, you know, hospitals are very hard to change pharmaceutical companies and physicians, and, and the hospitals it's very hard to change. But what what we can do is is empower women and their families. That's where the change is going to come from. Uh, is empowering them with the knowledge um, to take back their birth and to really you know make have the understanding about about the whole thing and what they can do right that they can to have a much better experience and to take charge because you know. They, they they have a voice and they can respectfully speak up. Everybody, you know, like midwives, doctors and hospitals are not health are not uh, law enforcement.
0: <laughs> yeah and you know so many great you know points here and and you know I'm trained as a naturopathic physician and we have something called like the therapeutic order that we follow and it's really kind of matching the strength of the intervention with kind of where people are in their treatment process and you know starting at the lowest force intervention and working our way you know up and it seems like you know why we see these really um really poor you know outcomes um you know in light of our advancements in um, uh, you know, the US is that we're over applying too much force to a really kind of natural, um, you know, process. And so, um, so your, you know, your mission, which I so appreciate has been to really, you know, um, give women, you know, more of a choice, right, and more, um, more options. And so, um, how, you know, how do you approach, um, you know, um, again, I shared with our audience that I'm in my third trimester and I feel very you know fortunate in that, you know, I'm, um, you know, in this world, I have a lot of education around, you know, the spectrum of options and, you know, a lot of tools. I live in Seattle, Washington, which is a really mm. progressive, you know, community where we can have, you know, um, Anywhere from a home birth with a, a naturopathic midwife to, you know, a birth center to birth centers at hospitals, and you know, we have a lot of, you know, um, choices here. But I know that not all of you know our um, you know country is set up this way. And so, um, how do you you know how do you really you know start empowering women to understand really what their choices are, no matter where they live?
1: Right. So. Um, are you talking about the women that come to my practice, or yeah, t- women all because the women that women that come to my practice, right, are women who already want to have uh, a birth without intervention, right? Mm-hmm. They want to have a natural physiologic birth. They're they've already, or at least they're you know. One of them, you know the partner wants that, and they're on the fence, or you know, v- vice versa. That, that that they're they're interested in that experience. They want to. They hearing what's going on. You know, uh, a lot of the, a lot of their friends are having cesareans, and ba- babies are in intensive care units, and 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 um, you know, there's a lot of inductions, and the, you know, people are making if an informed decision, or they're listening to their gut, right? But. As I, at my work has gone very much global. I, I uh, it started with social media posting, and then who knew? Like in a few years, it would be like I don't know, seventy one thousand followers on Instagram. So I'm, and 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 a large following of Facebook, and I'm hearing from women around the country and around the world, very much wanting the same thing. And then there's a lot of women that don't know. And there's a lot of women that are scared. And they have, because you know, it used to be around, and it still is around the world. But in the modern, I would say in the United States and parts of the modern world, um, you know, in the 1900s when birth was moved to the hospital. Before that, birth w- was, a, was just a normal part of family life. And um, so women were around birth. There w- You know, there's a fear of the unknown. Uh, in in other indigenous cultures around the world and also some modern cultures where birth is um, still taking place in the home setting, the women are supporting the women in that community, whether it's sisters, mother, mother-in-law, friends, aunts, grandmother. You know, the women are just supporting each other and in the process of having birth. So even little, you know, a 10-year-old little girl might, might be at a birth. I mean, you know... Women are around birth, so it's not something that they're afraid of. It's just like when you're, you know, you grow up on a farm and you're milking cows and you're seeing, you know, um, I, I, and it's interesting because I have a lot of, there are women in my practice who live, who have farms, and they tend to birth very well because they're just very comfortable with the process. You know, they, they see their goats birth, you know, they see their cows birth, and it's just, you know, they can birth too. You know, they're just m- more in tune with nature. Um, So so part of the fear is just lack of exposure. Part of it is media hype. Mm -hmm. I mean, any a lot of times, um, you know, I have tons of videos and movies that that I, you know, uh, would like that I recommend so that people can um, watch and so that they get a more positive, empowering, inspirational uh, view of birth. But but that's not what's in the media. Right. So, mo- you know, um, most sitcoms and, you know, the, and uh, or, or just, the, you know, the, in any kind of movie, how birth is portrayed, it, it is portrayed scare- in a scary way. The music goes up. I mean, I, I was filmed in, in the Baby Story, TLC, Discovery Channel. Um, f- f- they filmed four home births over, over the course of my career. And it still cracks me up every time I watch it, how they dramatize it with the music. Mm -hmm. And they make it, you know, like, stay tuned to see how, you know, uh, you know, and they and they make it sound kind of scary when it's just, you know, when you watch it and how they edit it down. It was a beautiful birth, you know, but so anyway, so I think I think the fear comes from that. Mm -hmm. And there's this tendency that in the modern world to trust technology and trust science and trust them and modern medicine and not trust ourselves and unless you're living on a farm or unless you're living in nature, we're, we really in in, in such a high tech world, we're we're not connected so much to nature. I don't know if in Seattle, um, what it's what you know your experience is, but like in New York here, <laughs> and, and, and what I'm hearing from the you know people around the country, you know everybody's so plugged in to the computer and, and just corporate America is, uh, you know, and the malls, right? It's just, we're, we're less and less and less in contact with nature and biology and our, and birth is the, the whole process of pregnancy, birth and postpartum is nature. It is so, um, far more brilliant than any human being or any technological machine, right? And it works. And so what I do um, is, and yeah, so I have to help women um, in terms of calming themselves. And sometimes that could be just education about, about you know, a lot of what we're talking about and, what, you know, what is happening during pregnancy and birth. Um, so because when we know what's happening, we don't fear it. Mm -hmm. And I have like in my, you know, this is what I, in my online course, uh, but I, even with the women in my practice, I have a list of 50 different, I'm telling you, it's up to 50 now, 50 different issues or interventions or things that are done to pregnant women or birthing women or their babies. Now healthy, I'm talking about healthy I'm not talking about women that have you know a seizure disorder mm-hmm. <laughs> or heart disease right i'm, I'm, I'm the, so so let's let's talk about the pros and cons of all these things now in the pregnancy so that when you're in the heat of it, you already know what your preference is and you can you know in, in the pregnancy make a list of uh you know I have like a checklist of you know do you want this do you not want this and you know you let's talk about it now demystify it right um and, and it could be as innocuous as do you want to be the freedom to move the freedom to eat and drink do you want your um you know who do you want to be with you at the birth Do you want the lights bright or do you want them dim um and to do you want to be induced or not do you or do you want to just leave uh, do you want to have your water broken or not do you want to have medication for pain or not and nothing is so simple. Everything has it's a discussion, you know. And I go through all this so that women can and their partners they can discuss this, and then they make um, they they make sort of a list of their preferences, and they can discuss that with their care provider and setting. Now, if they find that you know, uh, let's say a woman is you know one her preferences, her dream birth, what what she's intending um, is not in alignment with what her provider and setting um is you know planning for mm-hmm. her uh it's okay to switch it's it's totally okay to switch and it doesn't even matter if you're in your last month you can find you know that there are it's it, unfortunately it's you know not every area not every locality has the option but there are you know m- much more support you know, uh, it's okay. It's, it's your body, your baby, you know, to find a provider in a setting that's more in alignment with what you want.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, in, you know, I think that this is, um, you know, so important about this conversation is, you know, as you kind of shared with us, there's so much fear and media misconception about, um, you know, birth. And I think that, you know, the more, you know, women and their birthing companions know about their choices and kind of, um, you know, demystifying the fear around, you know, all of this, then they feel more empowered because it's, you know, I'm I'm taking your class and I'm going to hypnobirthing. And, you know, I um, you know, I really appreciate kind of um both um sets of information I'm getting because at the end of the day, obviously there's, you know, surrender letting go. Um you know you can't, you know, yeah, you can't, you know, um, you know, control the, you know, all of the circumstances, but you can um you know, have, it's, it's kind of like, I feel like I'm, about to go run a marathon it's not like i don't want to do any training you know it's just one of these things where the more information you know i think then you can f- make empowered choices in the moment and not be caught caught off guard um and just really also have coping mechanisms right so if things don't go as planned you have strategies to navigate that oh, and you know cuz i think you know women um and you know their birthing partners we get really attached to the idea how things are supposed to go and of course you know, there's this whole other, you know, element we have to, you know, just to do whatever we can to have a healthy baby. But it's expect um,
1: the unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, that's what I mean, yeah. yeah, you have to make your your plans and your preferences. But but like I, yeah, when you're in it, expect the unexpected. But I'll go. I want to even go further than that in terms of like, um, it's not just about you know coping and bearing with it. I like to prepare women so that they love their experience, bring pleasure into it, have fun with it, you know. But just just to get back to like, there are things though that are in your control. For example, if you know without a doubt you want to have um, an epidural, right? You're not going to go to a birth center that mm-hmm. they don't where they don't do epidurals. Right. If you if you know you want a natural birth, but you're going to a hospital where they have a 60% C-section rate, and the doctor has a you know 50-60% C-section rate, it's gonna be very hard for you to have a natural birth in that setting. So so it is as much as you can important to at least be in alignment. Like if you have a doctor that they cut episiotomies every single you know every every delivery, despite all the evidence of their harm, and you don't want an episiotomy, then you're with the wrong doctor if he's not going to listen to you and your desire not to have one,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know? So yeah, you know, it's, it's that there are things you can do in the, in the, in the, in the, in the pregnancy to really find someone that you're more in alignment with. So that all these things don't have to be an issue, you know? And then, yeah, when you're in labor, sir, that's the best <laughs> way to have the baby. just let, you know, expect the, like surrender. Then you have to, sur- then you can surrender because mm-hmm. you've already done your work. Mm-hmm. You know, but don't wing it, don't wing it and have no preparation and then just like go expect that they're going to take care of it, you know, because unfortunately that's the kind of, you know, mentality that that that's happening in this country and, you know, that's contributing uh, to the, you know to the, to the outcomes that we're getting.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no great advice. And I, um, you know, I guess you need to drill down one of the, I think the most common, um, you know, fears and topics that come up. And I think that you approach this with a lot of great tools and there's a lot of tools that maybe we can share with our audience. um, is that a lot of women, you know, go into this with the fear of the pain of birth, you know, and so, um, you know, maybe just we can focus on that topic for a few moments, just how we can break that down. And then, you know, I feel like also people think, okay, there's natural childbirth. And then on the other end of this intervention is like a spinal procedure, you know, so it's like, right,
1: right, where, right. you know,
0: where is there, you know, where's there room for other support and for women to feel like they have tools to, to cope with the pain? And how you know how the pain um, actually serves a purpose as well through this oh, experience. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, that yeah, that's so. That's a lot of the preparation is you know uh, what I do with women is is about that whole fear of pain because we live we live in a culture that is just so uncomfortable with any uncomfortable. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Everything. not like if there's a headache, take a Tylenol. Like, like we're just not comfortable with discomfort, and so sometimes, you know, um, I, I liken it. I like, I like to liken it to. And I've had women tell me this. Like, I've had a, I had a mountain climber that you know she climbs, like she would climb Mount Everest. I mean, she's like a, a really, perf- I would call her a pro, right? And she's in the heat of labor was was likening her the, the, the experience to climbing a mountain, you know, with the ropes and the, you know, going up, it it almost looks like a 90 degree <laughs> incline. Right. And then, and, and then she gets to the top and then she realizes there's even like, you know, double the, uh, a, a whole nother mountain to climb. that looks even harder. And, and yeah, this is hurting and that's hurting. And she's thirsty, you know, but she's not really feeling it because her, I mean, she, she's feeling it. Right. But she's not thinking it. it, it it's not, it, it, she might be uncomfortable, but her eye is on, I'm going to the top. Like, mm-hmm. right. Okay. This hurts. This hurts. Okay. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to, you know, eat and drink what I need to eat and drink. And I'm going to rest when I need to rest, but I'm going to the top, you know, and I, and, and she finds her strength. Right, whatever it takes, and then she gets to the top of that, and she sees, oh my gosh, there's something even higher and harder, it's challenging, right? But all athletes, anyone that does any sort of major performance or Olympic uh, sport or or any you know team sport, they're working, they're 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 challenging themselves, they're going past you know perceived limits, and then when she gets to the when she got to the top, when she birthed, Oh, my God!! The <laughs> she was so darn proud of herself It's just like when you know when when a person is running the twenty six mile marathon. It, it's not a walk in the park, right? It's, it, there's times when it's hard. There's times when maybe at 10 miles that the runner is thinking, no way, <laughs> I cannot do another 16 miles or, you know, my rib is it or my calf or whatever, you know, something's hurting, but their, 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 eye is, I'm going to, pra- I ran, I can do this right. And I, and I'm going to do it. And when they, you know, the runner's high is very similar. We know when they reach that finish line, is very similar to at birth, like, you know, when, when, when a woman, you know, finds the strength she didn't know she had, and then she gives birth and has, and does it on her own, there's, the, 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 she has this incredible sense of empowerment, like, wow, I did that, they asked Michael Jordan, you know, mm-hmm. many, many athletes, but I remember, um, because my son was very into basketball, and uh, but, they, but, but they asked him, you know, how is it that, like, I don't know the exact numbers, but, like, at the end of the game when they're losing by seven, for example, and there's, like, five seconds left, and he makes three uh, three-pointers and a layup and wins the game on a buzzer beater, right? How, he, would, he did that all the time. And his answer was very similar to all successful athletes. It's a mindset, because mm-hmm. yeah, I knew I'd make the shot. Mm-hmm. That was his answer. It wasn't like, I think, Oh, I don't know if I can handle it. You know, <laughs> right. So yeah. Um, w- sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a mindset shift, you know, w- seeing labor for what it is. Um, it's it, it to know, yes, that, the that the sense women are working hard, but it doesn't, you know, and, and the sensations can be intense. But I, I kind of like to stay away from the word pain, and I we you know don't use the word. We tried to get a, like in hypnobirthing, they don't use the word contractions, surges. They use right mm-hmm. because it's not really accurately reflecting what's going on. Yes, the top of the uterus is contracting, but the so that the bottom can open. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it could also equally be called expansions, or some people like waves because they do It's, it's sensations that come and go as waves, and. And it's just like I um, yoga and meditation is a great practice to help people stay in the moment, in the now, because if even at the maximum intensity of labor, when when the wave or the contraction or the surge is coming, it, it, it builds. It doesn't it's not like constant, like cancer suffering disease pain it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a wave it comes and 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 and, you know and then at max it, it builds and lasts maybe 90 seconds or a minute 60 to 90 seconds and then there's a complete rest and then there's another one and and you know and in the early part of labor it might be 10 20 30 minutes apart but in the real heat like in the intense hard part of it It comes again, maybe in another two, three minutes. So I tell everyone, get a now clock. Like instead of it says one, two, three, four, five around, you know, till 12, it should say now, 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 like, like around the clock, because Mm -hmm. all you need to do is stay in that one, that 60 to 90 seconds. You can do anything for 60 to 90 Mm -hmm. seconds. And, 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 and to know that your body creates, very powerful it's almost like opiate like 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 morphine beta endorphins that that help you that kind of um not only it not you know makes makes it bearable makes it doable but it also the pain has a purpose it gets you or the or the sensations have a purpose because um it helps the mom get into positions that make the birth easier um you know to help the baby navigate down so, yeah, there's many, many things that we can do, um, in terms of, um, preparing in advance, um, you know, coping mechanisms and relaxation techniques and grounding techniques and visualizations and, and, and then in labor, you know, just, I, I, I have 93% of women in my practice as I track my stats, 93% are doing it naturally. Yeah. And, and I don't, it's not that women that come to me have different bodies. They're doing it. Right. Like I have not had to transfer um, anyone to 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 the to to have an epidural because they couldn't take the pain of normal labor. Not one in in all my years of practice. So that that's that's pretty amazing. So and, and that comes from the preparation. It comes from the care that they're given. And it comes from the tools that, that we use. It, women are walking and dancing and laughing. I've had women dance their babies out, sensually <laughs> release their babies out, you know, hypno birth their babies out. Um, it, it, and, and when you see, um, you know, the more and more I practice, the more I'm in awe of, you know, how women can, can be in ecstasy with their experience, even though it's challenging. Mm-hmm. So, so intense sensations. Yeah. But, But, um, it's doable and women have, that's, that's my main message to women is like, you can, you can do this. You are, you, you're stronger than, you know, and, and you have the ability to do this. Yeah. If you're forced to lie in bed and be attached to a monitor and you can't move and you can't eat and drink, you know, so then it's harder Mm -hmm. to, to, to do it naturally. And, and yeah, you know, sometimes there are, there is a place for the compassionate use of an epidural but i'm just telling you that 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 the great majority of women when given the support and the preparation and the opportunity and the encouragement are doing it mm-hmm. you know it's out, right so mm-hmm.
0: no and i love this Anne, and i mean you you have this first hand experience it's not a theory or a thought or you know a belief it's it's you've seen many many Children come into the world in this way, and women feeling even though I mean the hardest things in life are the most rewarding a lot of the times you know and so it's you know um I think you know just illustrating this for our audience and just um I think it's an important you know concept i mean i um you know i've had i'm, I'm going to be an older first mom, and but i have and so i've had um my friends kind of shared like a range of experiences right that everyone you know goes through, but I think um, at the core of it, you know just having these tools and going into this you know with um, these expectations versus the you know the fear and the uncertainty and the confusion and the you know um you know just you know thinking about all the things that could wrong and go wrong I mean I think there is a huge mental preparation that sets us up for That's success huge mm-hmm
1: mental preparation, yeah. But if you if you get yourself, you know, you prepare in advance, you get yourself a, a coach, a doula, and you surround yourself with a support team, right? Because on one hand, you know, you're you, in labor, you're, you're vulnerable, but you're also strong. But you wanna you you wanna you know we, we we do need support. So you know, there's a lot of evidence. This is not just my experience. This is the literature. I mean, you know uh, that that this is the way to go. It is the ideal way to go if 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 possible. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. it's so possible. Mm-hmm. It's so possible. Like, like, like I've had the people that tell me like, I am the biggest wimp. <laughs> <laughs> I there's No, I can't even match. And, and, and they rock their birth. Like, like what we dance and we, you know, yeah, it, it it's intense, you know, for, for that, for, for at, at the end, you know, and, and it's usually at the end, when, you know, at the end it gets intense and, and, you know, and I prepare women for this, like when it's, when it's really at the peak intensity is at, is right before baby's coming, Mm -hmm. you know? So sometimes women just need to just like here you know, baby's coming, (laughs) you're doing it. You're almost there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, when they say that I can't, well, you're, you can, you are doing this, Mm -hmm. and you know, but obviously, um, if, if there's a problem, then we need to deal with it. But you know, women—they oh—they love the water, like shower and the and the um, you know, the birth ball and moving around in the birth ball, or or just being immersed in a tub. is, mm-hmm. it's, is very helpful. But yeah, I mean, you, you you it it is like what you said. It's um, anything that's worth I guess like anything that's really worth it usually comes with hard
0: work. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, so, no, I think this is just such great information, and And, you know, one thing that I um would love to just touch on as we, you know, wrap up is that I know it's, we could do a whole podcast on this topic as well. But I just want, you know, people to have tools. So in my work, you know, when I see people who are chronically ill, we sometimes look at... Um, you know, birth trauma and that that can not only affect the mom, you know, but also um the child. And so, um, I am familiar just through hearing you lecture before that you've um you use a technique I believe it's called clarity breath work, but you know, so let's say, you know, people have, you know, a traumatic experience, much like how, you know, your first experiences, you know, were were how can we feel empowered to overcome those and not stay in that um, traumatized state, um, and so just maybe just introducing some tools or some, um, you know, your perspective or, around that.
1: Well, oh, that yeah, that's a whole other podcast. But I would say that that trauma is is a normal physiologic. It's a body response to some to to a to a extremely horrific experience, mm-hmm. and it's not healed through. Talking about it, it's not healed through many modalities, and I and I got very into this um, modality as it's called Clarity Breathwork because it helps the, it's a somatic treatment. It, It it helps the body recalibrate and reset. We are the human beings are the only species that carry baggage. Of trauma. For example, if there's, um, and this is like cutting edge trauma research, like Dr. Peter Levine, who uh-huh. founded Somatic Experience, which is the, the um, I think, the cutting edge trauma healing um, modality, uh, it, it, which does not involve years of psychoanalysis and medication. It's, it's allowing the body to go through the trauma cycle. Right mm-hmm. Instead of repressing and burying it and storing it as trapped trauma energy in the body, and we don't have to like think about it right so so um, like they study trauma by looking at not just neurology and embryology and psychology, but they look, they study animals and and human beings have a very similar re- uh, trauma reaction as an animal. so for example if if there's a if there's a tiger in the wild that uh, uh, that a deer is exposed to, for example, let's say there's a predator and there's an animal, like a deer the deer will go through the fight or flight response. The sympathetic nervous system kicks in and gives the deer a tremendous amount of energy to fight the tiger, which in that case that won't work because they won't <laughs> win that fight or flee, right? Run for its life. And if, if they can't run for its life, the tiger is too close. They, there's another trauma response, which is they freeze and they, 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 they get out of body and they've kind of played dead. And if, because that, because what happens is the the tiger loses interest in a dead animal and will go find another animal to get and, you know, save that other one for later. Um, but, uh, if the deer, if the tiger goes away and the deer, um, gets up and runs for its life, the deer shakes it off. The deer completely just like has a whole body shake. And then they resume (laughs) in the being state of the parasympathetic nervous system. And, and so why I love uh, clarity breathwork is a modality that's, that saved my life. Um, I I've had a lot of trauma growing up, uh, you know, childhood abuse from a mentally ill mom. And, you know, it, that that was a whole um, that was suppressed in my body for many years. And nothing ever really helped me until I found an integrative psychiatrist who told me exactly what I had and had it and had it, you know, that I needed to uh do this sort of somatic experience. And so it was around that time years ago that I got into, um, I, I did the uh, clarity breath work. Um, and I literally, uh, saved it, it changed and saved my life and it gave me this incredible modality of helping people. So, so it's, it's kind of like, it's, 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 um, it works on a physical and uh, emotional and and even a spiritual level i mean the yogis have known for thousands of years that prana breath is life force it's it's, it's sort of like the spiritual life force spiritual could mean whatever transcends the body but physically it's it it, it, it there's a lot of components you know like it, it's bathing the body and in, in, in it's a certain type of breath that work that that helps put the body in in a semi conscious state So the, it's like turning on and off the computer, the body can reset, the nervous system can reset and, and and trauma can kind of shake out and you don't even have to know what it is. But I mean, when I did my first session, you know, worked with a breath worker for an hour, um, uh, of the, of the breath session, I, I, I felt it, it was like, she gave me, it was so powerful. I asked her what drug she just gave me
0: because
1: <laughs> yeah, I, 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 felt like, like my body, you know, my body was shaking and I was releasing. I, I just like felt like I was like letting go of t- millions of tons of bricks that i have been carrying. And, and I just felt awesome to just like, let it go. And, and then the relief and the, like, I got myself back. You know, so so it's like it's like with midwifery, you know, um, and having my own babies, I had to feel that the remedy worked for me, not just someone telling me about it, not just reading about it. And so so that's what I've been also doing is offering this to the families in my practice and now also online is this kind of, um, you know, yeah, we debrief, we talk about the trauma. But really, the healing is not through the mind. It's 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 uh, we can do it on Skype, and and I guide them through this this process of men and women. You know, men have trauma too, and it's not just all birth trauma. It could be, um, you know, trauma from abuse or incest or bullying, sickness, illness, abandonment. There's so many uh, types of of. Of, uh, you know, or, you know, PTSD was coined after the, ve- the, the war, you know, when the soldiers were coming home with what they called shell shock. You know, they, 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 were, they had just seen so many, her- experienced so many horrific things that their bodies were totally stuck in that response. And so, but the healing is so possible. You know, people can get themselves back and, and really it saves them years of like trying to f- heal.
0: You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: psychoanalysis and 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 th- therapies just make it worse. That's not how you heal trauma. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, but but trauma can c- cause all kinds of physical and emotional dis-ease. You know, it's uh, this trapped energy in the body. I mean, I, I had all the symptoms of PTSD after my first birth, and um, you know what we do is we 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 suck it up, we numb, we escape, we bury in busyness. You know, mm-hmm. and but it catches up, <laughs> it catches up. You know, so this is, it's just like a very effective um, modality to, you know, I, I became certified in it. I went and did the full training and, um, yeah, I'm thrilled about it. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. And I know that we could spend, you know, again, like a whole another hour on, you know, just this work alone, but I just wanted to definitely introduce, you know, this tool, um, you know, and I I think you made a great point where um, talk therapy is um, very different from somatic work. And I I do see somatic work really, as you've shared, um, help people move on and really release those memories and that trauma from their physical body that I think there's a book it's called the body keeps the score and it's just the, you know, where, you know, we mentally think we've kind of handled a situation, but our body is still, um, in a, you know, in a cellular and on a cellular level remembers the stress. And so, um, the empowering piece is that we can heal this. We don't have to stay in that state, you know, yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to, I know that's a big part of your work too. So I just wanted to make sure you know, people are aware of that. And especially if they're, um, you know, trying to figure out how to move on. So, so Anne, I mean, I could pick your brain all day, especially as I'm preparing for this, you know, um, life adventure. Um, but no, I think you're just such a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and, you know, so much, um, you know, information that's so much uh, needed right now, um, you know, in our, in our country. So we can really, you know, change the outcomes and, um, really, you know, um, you know, I know that we're both passionate about giving people other options and other choices. And so, um, how can people, you know, learn more about you prepared, I I'm going through it myself, a wonderful, you know, class and you have a lot of, um, you know, not only local resources in your community on the East coast, but also, um, if people don't live by you, how can people learn more about your work and, uh, what you do?
1: So, uh, my website, um, it's interesting cause you mentioned, re- uh, the breath work, the, uh, uh, it's, um, another word for breath work is rebirth. Mm-hmm. So it's int- There's a lot of similarities between attending someone as a midwife and helping someone heal from trauma. And, and that's kind of like called rebirthing or, or getting, you know, people getting themselves back. So my website is called home, sweet home birth, mm-hmm. but it's homesweethomebirth.com, which is not about home birth. It's about that model of care in any setting. Um, the, even in the operating room, you know, how can we, you know, the, the, gentle cesarean, how can we, how can we restore humanity and joy and, and pleasure and compassion and sensitivity, uh, when, when medical and surgical interventions needed. So yeah, so com and on there, yeah, I have like, um, a free gift. There's um of my, of, of a, of a birth plan that we talked about. So people can like go through how to make a birth plan, um, and sign up for a newsletter. And then the clarity breath work is, a, is, is on my website as well. And I do online consulting and I have, um, a course, uh, to prove it's called love your birth that it's kind of, excuse me, it's kind of how I prepare women in, um, from pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, you know, to have the most healthiest, holistic experience, and that they love, no matter what happens,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So it's very mind, body, heart, soul focus. It's you know, integrative, holistic approach mm-hmm. that I've used for uh, with you know, I, like I kind of poured my heart and soul, like all the best of what I have to offer in my practice in in, in that course
0: absolutely and it's it's wonderful and really well done and your website is beautiful and you also have um you know a lot of great i follow you on instagram a lot of really great empowering you know photos you know on instagram where can people find you on instagram
1: it's yeah same home home sweet home birth and it's, it's on instagram it's on facebook and um yeah, I have a newsletter. If they want, you know, people want to be connected more. I have a blog on my website. I have I, a lot of my interviews are also on the website, so people want to hear because I've been interviewed a lot. Mm-hmm. I love to be interviewed, but yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, it's yeah. a Great way to spread this message. The more people we can that that can be empowered and educated, you know, it's just like there, there's a bumper sticker, um, uh, but you could say it for a- any profession. But yeah, midwives change the world one baby, one mama at a time, you know, one birth at a time. So if absolutely, one person listening can, you know, this can impact her to have a, a healthy, beautiful mm-hmm. experience, then that's mm-hmm. awesome.
0: The ripple effect. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for your, your time today. And it's just a joy getting to know you.
1: Awesome. That Many blessings that you have a, a beautiful, healthy birth that you love and that you rock your experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll keep everyone posted. <laughs> posted. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Anne. And if you want to learn more about her work and her Love Your Birth course, please find more information in the show notes. She gave us a special promotional code for our listeners and you can get 10% off her love your birth course again I have been using this in my uh, pregnancy and I think she's a wealth of knowledge and just has so much great information in this online course and so if you want to learn more please check out her website and I appreciate you listening thank you